0: West Bulls, good morning. Hey, as we, uh, I mentioned last week, we'll be wrapping up this series doing today a different way next week. But this morning, I, I want, I feel like we can't let this series end without talking about something that has the potential to affect today and every single day more than maybe anything else that we've talked about. And it really is something that has the potential to affect the mission we've talked about for this church. Connect with Jesus, connect with people, Connect people with Jesus. Because it's something that, if we don't get this right, then it's real hard to have the fullest connection with Jesus we can have. And if we don't get this right, we certainly can't connect with people. And if anything, it completely disqualifies us when it comes to trying to connect people with Jesus. And that thing has to do with the idea that we're going to look at this morning forgiveness. Forgiveness is that major thing that will either drive forward doing today a different way or completely block us from it. And I I think that we have this picture of forgiveness in our minds that is very similar to what happened at our house the other night. We were This was three nights ago. We're sitting around the dinner table, and many of you know who Lincoln is. He's our five-year-old, and he was the one I was showing you last week. He was doing the crane pose at a t-ball game. Anyhow, he pushes his chair up to the sink, our kitchen sink, and I, and, and I thought, okay, well, he's trying to reach something, and I still have to do that, okay? And then um, he put his leg up on the counter, and I thought, whoa, he's trying to reach something really high, but he didn't step up onto the counter. And I, I said, Lincoln, buddy, what are you doing? And, and as if I was supposed to know, his tone was like, oh, Dad, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm peeing in the sink. And I was like, What? Now, for the record, if you've ever been to our house, if you ever come to our house, we do not let any member of our family pee in the sink. But I said, no, you're, you're not gonna do that. And the next question, I just can't get over He said, well, where am I supposed to go to the bathroom then, Dad? And I was like, well, I don't know, maybe the same place you've gone your entire life, Lincoln. And so I'm bringing him down from the sink and his, his toe hit this chair, and I mean, that was everything to him. I mean, it hurt, and he ran up to his room, so I gave it a few minutes, walked up to his room, and I said, Lincoln, look, I'm sorry, okay, I, I really do apologize, I feel badly, it was an accident, and here's what he said, because we've talked about forgiveness in our house before, and here's what he said, I forgive you, get out of my room. And I just thought, I would love to limit that to our five-year-old, but that's how we forgive, isn't it? Isn't that how we forgive? We say the right words, but there's something else going on inside. Last week, we actually ended with this question about, about some things that Jesus had said. And it was simply this. Were those exaggerations? And I think maybe more than anything out there, we treat what Jesus says about forgiveness is an exaggeration. I mean, we'll acknowledge it with our words, but it's different when it comes to receiving it and our experience of it. And so I want to walk through this passage today. It's in Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bibles. If not, it'll be up on the screens. But Peter one day comes to Jesus and he asks this question that we all in some form, whether we realize it or not, are asking. Here's what Peter says in verse 21 of chapter 18. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Now, it's funny that Peter's asking this, because if you know anything about Peter, and if you've read any of the accounts of Peter, Peter was that guy. Peter's the guy that sometimes when he speaks up, you can feel the other disciples glaring. And you can feel them rolling their eyes at him. And so Peter naturally was probably a target from his his friends and other people. And so it's interesting that Peter's asking this question. He said, All right, how many times, God? How many times, Lord? And we ask that question, don't we? When we're walking through hurt, when we're walking through pain, isn't it true we ask this question? How long? How long, God, am I going to walk through this? How long do I have to put up with this? And in Peter's case, he says, How long? I know you want me to forgive. In fact, there was this. Uh, rabbinical mandate back then that you, you'd forgive three times and then that fourth time, well, there was, there was something different on the table. So Peter, thinking he was doing good, said, seven times? I and mean, let's just blow three out of the water. Jesus, is it seven times? And Jesus responds with this. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some translations say 70 times seven. Now, if you're left brain like me, you sit there and you think, well, is that 77? Is that 70 times 7? Is that 490? And what does that mean on the 78th time? What does that mean on the 491st time? I don't know where Peter went with that in his brain, but Jesus, before Peter could say anything, said, It's just not it's not the right question to ask when it comes to forgiveness. And so Jesus fills out his answer with a story, with a parable that we're going to walk through today because it so adjusts Peter's understanding of forgiveness and it ought to so adjust our understanding of forgiveness in order to truly do today a different way. And so take a look at what Jesus says. Verse 23, "'Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king "'who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. "'As he began the settlement, "'a man who owed him 10,000 talents,' Was brought to him. Now, a talent at that time, it was the largest amount of money they had, and 10,000 of them, this would have been beyond lifetimes to earn. In other words, this debt was not going to be repaid in this servant's lifetime. Verse 25: Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So, this was like a debtor's prison, that if you couldn't financially pay back, then anything you had was going to be taken. Verse 26, At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Which just, it wasn't going to happen. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Did you see the, the shift there? Here is this master who's got an amount in his mind, 10,000 talents. But did you see the shift? He went from measurement of the debt to mercy on the debtor. Measurement of the debt to mercy for the one who owed him. And it had nothing to do with the servant's ability to repay the debt and everything to do with his attitude about it. Because for this king, it wasn't about a number. And for Jesus, it's not about a number. He's not saying 77 times. He's not saying 490 times. He's saying, look, you should be willing to forgive so many times that by the time you get to 77, by the time you get to 490, it should really just be a way of life. It ought to be not just a habit, it, it ought to be ingrained in us. Because for this king, It's not about a number. Forgiveness is not a measurement issue. It's a mercy issue. It's a heart issue. And the reason for that is because forgiveness, I mean, everyone in here understands forgiveness. You've had to give it, you've had to ask for it, perhaps, or you need it. But forgiveness always involves pain, doesn't it? I've been wronged, I've been hurt, I'm in pain. And you can't put a number on that, can you? How many of you have uh, had the experience of going to the ER? Okay? We're doing pretty good. All right. So, when you go to the ER, one of the questions they ask you is simply this. Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst pain you've ever had in your life, what's the pain? Doesn't matter what it is. I just say 10 every time, okay? If it's a mosquito bite, if it's the doctor's icy glare, if it's, if it's whatever it is. I say 10, just pro tip here. They take you more seriously if you say 10 to everything. But anyhow, what, they, what they're getting at is in your experience, give us an idea of what this pain is like. But they don't know your scale. They don't know what the worst pain you've ever experienced in your life is. So it's subjective. And so forgiveness ends up being a very subjective thing according to the pain that I feel. Because isn't it true? You could have no physical pain whatsoever, but somebody can wound you right here, can't they? And that's a pain that we will carry with us long after any physical scar is gone, isn't it? And so Jesus says, look, there's no number you can put to that. Forgiveness is not a a measurement issue. And so he's already addressing one thing that Peter's question didn't take into account, but now he's going to address something else, and he adds a sequel to this parable that he's telling. Listen to this, verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, there, are, there is so much in these two sentences, in this one verse Look at at what he says. Two words. He found. He found. He found would say maybe he was on the lookout for. That he was perhaps woke up that morning and was looking for the one who had a debt to him. If I could come to us for a minute. Who's that face that's coming to mind right now? And who's that face that maybe you wake up every morning and you think, I, I, they owe me, and I know exactly what they owe me, and I know how long they've owed me, and I know how much they've owed me. Then it goes on. It says he found one of his fellow servants. Do you notice that term, fellow? That would mean he, he previously had owed someone with a much higher status than him. Now he's looking for somebody who is on the same level as him. Isn't that what we do? we go looking for those to our left and our right who owed him 100 denarii. Now, that was not a whole lot of money. I mean, a a denarius was one day's wages. This was something that could be paid back with some patience on the part of the servant who went looking for him. And so as you think about that face that you wake up with, let me ask you this. What do they owe you? And what's that thing in your mind you think, they owe me. It's an explanation, it's an apology, maybe it's money, maybe it's just you, you want your time back because they took up so much time. And what's the nature of the offense? Because another thing at play here is not so much the amount that's owed, but who the debt was against. See, the servant, it, it wasn't the 10,000 talents that he owed, it was who his debt was against. And oftentimes, I think what we do is we look left and right and we see the debts that others have to us and we put those equivalent, the same as the debt that we have to our heavenly father, that we one time had to our heavenly father. And there's no comparison. But then finally, look at the last sentence. It says that he grabbed him, began to choke him, and he demanded See, in the process of looking for a face and thinking about the offense, do you know what the servant forgot? He forgot the humanity and the dignity of the one who owed him a debt. And it's true for us that every face and every offense that comes to our mind should not, should not be cause for resentment. It ought to be a reminder of the debt that we at one time had. Every single time. And it should be a reminder of the humanity of those that we think owe us. And Jesus is getting at at another aspect of Peter's question. Peter's question doesn't take into account that Peter himself was a sinner and had sinned against people. In other words, our inability to cover our debt to God should bring about humility when it comes to others' debts to us. Because nothing will value someone's humanity and their dignity like humility. I remember years ago here, before I was ever in charge of anything, I, I thought I was in a real way in charge of everything. And so I was like 20 years old, and I was helping out with the high school group. And on Sunday nights after a youth group, we would go to this Red Robin down here and just like fill the place up. And one night, we, we went to Red Robin, and I didn't have the money to pay for a meal. And so a leader said, Hey, Nathan, aren't you going to order anything? I said, No, I don't have any money to buy anything. And so they said, Oh, that's fine. I'll tell you what if you, if you will go around and collect money from everybody for their meals, I'll pay for your meal. I thought, oh, that's a great deal. And they said, but also collect from those who don't order anything, like collect a dollar because, you know, Red Robin, they set out those fry baskets and you just start and you just keep going. And soon you've gone through like 400 fry baskets. And so, we're all, we would just go through these fry baskets and then even if people just ate from those and drank water, you still have somebody serving it. So we would collect a dollar for tip. Well, again, I didn't have any money, but I was getting a free meal out of collecting money. So end of the night comes and I'm going around to tables and I ask this kid, I was like, hey, uh, you need to pay. He's like, "Why well, didn't order anything. I was like, it's fine, but you still owe a dollar. He's like, well, I don't have a dollar, Nathan. And I was like, Okay, so three minutes go by of this back and forth. Soon, I'm like leaning over this kid, thundering like, pay your dollar! He's like, I don't have a dollar. I was like, you're pathetic! And, and suddenly, a month had gone by, and we didn't see this guy at youth group anymore. And... <laughs> We're going through the roster going, who have we seen? Who have we not seen? I wonder where so-and-so has been. I don't want to say their name because uh, in case they ever listen to this, they're, well, I just need to call them and apologize. Anyhow, and suddenly I flash back to that, and I, they're all going, you know, where, where is he? And I just, I kept quiet. I was like, gosh, I wonder where he could have gone and why he would have left. But isn't that what we do? We've been given a feast, and yet we will hold up We will hold up that somebody didn't pay for their appetizers. Jesus had a phrase for this. In fact, he would say to the Pharisees, You blind guides, you will strain a gnat and swallow a camel. What that means is you'll make a really, really small deal out of something that ought to be a really big deal, and you'll make a really big deal out of something that ought to be a really small deal says, Peter, look, forgiveness is not a measurement thing. And second, Peter, your need for forgiveness should produce a humility when it comes to others' need for forgiveness. And then he addresses one more aspect to Peter's question. And and it's the aspect of Peter's question that maybe he didn't quite get the words out to, but Peter had this limitation. It was as if there was an end to his forgiveness. That even if I go beyond the three times to seven times, God, what, what do I do after that? And Jesus addresses it with the end of this parable. Here's what he says. Verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. That's the debt he owed. That one that could never be paid in lifetimes. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Did you know that somewhere, somewhere in my sphere of my life and in your sphere of your life, there is somebody who's watching? And that's not to freak anybody out, it's just the truth that for those in here who say, I follow Christ, you have to know that the, the moment we declare that, the moment we say that, people begin watching. And if there's anything, anything that could disqualify us, it's what this servant did to his fellow servant. A simple debt, easily repaid with a little bit of patience, but he overlooked the massive debt he had forgiven. We have an audience that's watching. Jesus continues. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Not only do we have an audience, but our heavenly father says you have accountability for how you treat your fellow brother and sister. We all have it and I jumped ahead a moment ago, but this is what I was referring to, to verse 34. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. So this servant, who with a little patience would have had his debt repaid, is now put in prison for a debt that he would never repay over lifetimes. Because not only do we have an audience and not only do we have accountability, but Jesus says, what's at stake is anguish, There is truly anguish at stake here. And he's getting at something that you will always and I will always, we will always pay when the heart pursues payback. Every single time. We always pay for payback. There was a study done by a university. It was about eight, nine years ago. And what they did is they they grabbed a, a bunch of different people and they brought them in for this study and said, okay, We want you to, they're on this athletic field, we want you to think about um, a time that you were forgiven of something. Just anything. It can be anything at all. Think of a time that you were forgiven, and they they would have them think on that for about five minutes. And at the end of that five minutes, they asked the the subjects uh, of this study to do something really peculiar. They said, okay, now jump. Jump as high as you can. And on average, they jumped about 11 inches. From a, from a standing start, they jumped about 11 inches in the air. So after this, they gave them a rest for about 20 minutes. I know, one jump, 20 minutes rest. Anyhow, they, and they said, now I want you to think, we want you to think for five minutes about a grudge that you have against somebody. Just think on that grudge and spend five minutes thinking about who that person is and what they did that brought about this grudge. But think on this grudge for five minutes. And at the end of that five minutes, they said, we want you to jump. And on average, every single person who originally had jumped an average of 11 inches, you know how high they jumped? Seven and a half inches. They repeated this experiment over and over and over with hundreds and hundreds of people. Now, if our jumping is something as simple as our jumping ability can be affected by our thoughts about forgiveness or revenge, what else is affected? Because it could be very literally weighing us down. And that, I believe, is is really the idea behind what Jesus ends this parable with. One verse, verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is a heart thing. Now, I don't know if there are eternal, it's possible there are eternal implications to this statement, but one thing I know for sure in walking next to people and listening to people's stories is there, there is an earthly right now implication to this statement. Because we have a heavenly father who does not force anything on us. But you know what he says? He says, look, if you insist on not letting go of that grudge, if you insist on thinking of forgiveness as a limited, measurable thing, if you in dealing with the forgiveness others need will not go about it with humility and insist on pursuing payback, then what's left is truly an earthly prison. You will and I will imprison ourselves the moment that we decide that we're going to write forgiveness off as an option. When forgiveness of the heart no longer is an option, then we cut ourselves off from our own healing. And isn't it true? I mean, as you just think through the different various circles and spheres of your life, isn't it true that you've probably spent far too much time thinking about a grudge? Is it true that maybe some of the most miserable people that we know are living in a prison in which they're being tortured by their own resentment and their own grudges? And so as we walk through today, as we think about this idea of doing today a different way. Well, how do you do that? I mean, forgiveness from the heart. How do you just wake up and go, okay, it's from the heart this time. It's been from the brain all the way up to this point in my life, but now it's from the heart. We have to experience it. We have to experience it, but it helps if we can remember that before, before we pay back, remember we were paid for. Before you pay back, remember, you were paid for. Now, I don't know every single individual situation in here, and I don't know the platform that you have when it comes to speaking about or showing or displaying Christ in your life. But I'll tell you this, even if you had no pulpit to preach from, and even if you couldn't quite even voice your testimony of what he's done in your life, You have this. Because forgiveness, this is not a Christian thing. This is the Christian thing. It's right there. Isn't that what that is right there? That is a more powerful testimony than any words we could put together or string together. Many of you maybe remember in the 1990s, um, Rodney King Rodney King, when these riots were going on in Los Angeles, Rodney King was an African-American man who was pulled from his truck in Los Angeles. And as he was pulled from his truck, he was beaten and beaten and beaten by several police officers. And he went through a, a massive amount of rehab, and there were, this whole thing went to court. Uh, and when he finally faced those who had beaten him, when he finally faced them, He walked up to him, he put out his hand, you know what he said, I forgive you, I forgive you and it was so interesting to hear the account of one reporter, one reporter who was standing back and they caught this on camera and he's watching it, you know what he reported, it is our understanding that Mr. King suffers from permanent brain damage and that's what the world thinks. When you forgive from the heart, people are going to look at you sideways and go, "What is going? What is wrong? There's something off. Let me talk you about it another time. Jesus. Jesus, this day, one day, as he's being nailed to a cross by a group of Roman soldiers, they get the cross upright. You know what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They have no idea what it is they're doing right now. And after, right before he took his last breath, and when he said, it is finished, and he took his last breath, and the earth quaked one Roman soldier. I don't know where all the others went, but one Roman soldier who was standing there, you know what he said? Surely, this was the Son of God. Today, or tomorrow, or maybe every single day of this week, somebody, it's not likely that you're going to be dragged from a truck and beaten. It's not likely that you're going to be nailed to a cross. But somebody is going to do something that to your heart, and to my heart, it's going to feel like it. It's just going to feel like it. And there is no number that you and I can put on that pain, is there? It's going to disturb us. It's going to go with us. But you can't put a number on it. You can't. But when you forgive from the heart, from the heart, you know what happens? One person, one person who may be standing here, They may see you from afar. They'll go, that's Jesus. And truly, this was a righteous man. Truly, Jesus was the Son of God. One act of forgiveness. Will that be you? Will we do today a different way? And remember that before we ever pay back, we were paid for. As the worship team comes up to close, it's a question to ponder. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a God who as you looked at us and as you looked at the incredible debt that we had to you, for you forgiveness is from the heart because we could not put a number on and we could not put a measure to our debt to you. And so we ask, we ask that you would remind us of the way you truly look at us. But then, as we look to those to our left and our right, as we actually walk through today, we can't avoid people, we can't go around people, we can't fix people, but we can forgive people. And so whatever it is, whoever the face is that came to mind, whatever the offense is that came to mind, whatever the measure of that offense is in our own brains, Lord, give us your eyes on it. Remind us, that you loved us so much that you paid for us and you paid for all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.